Welcome to the Kawita Assembly Youth Podcast. Our goal is to equip you to take on the most revolutionary mission known to man. We hope these messages encourage you and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Please like, share, and subscribe. And also don't forget to follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. And now, this week's message from Pastor Matt. Jesus, you change everything. God, that is what we're asking for tonight. That chains holding us down, chains of sin, chains of temptation, chains of addiction, chains that are holding us from having that relationship with you. God, we pray that those are broken. God, for those who are hopeless, God, we pray that they find hope in this place because of you. God, in the lives who are broken, God, I pray that they find healing and restoration in you here tonight. God, I pray that this is the place where they find that life that they are looking for, that peace, that joy, that hope that we so desperately need in this world today. Because, Jesus, we believe that you change everything. If we surrender our lives to you, we don't lose a thing. Instead, we gain everything. The more of ourselves that we give to you, the more that we have. God, I pray you just let that sink into our our thoughts. Let that sink into our hearts and our minds today. That we can give you every part of our life. And that is okay. We can give you every part of our life. And that is better than holding it within ourselves. Because, God, in you is hope. In you is peace in you is joy, in you is love like we have never, ever imagined, never felt before. So God, I pray that every student in here, that they walk out of here not withholding one piece of themselves to you, God, but instead they feel compelled to give their whole selves to you, their whole lives, the whole mind to you, because in that is life, in that is peace, and in that is joy. So God, I pray that despite what we sing, despite what I say, that you change lives. God, we are just your vessels. We are just to be used by you, but you are the one who does the life transformation. So God, I've done what I can, and I'm going to preach the words that you've given me. But ultimately, it is you, and I pray that you change and transform lives from the inside out. God, I ask you that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You guys can be seated. Let's give it up for that worship team. Good job, guys. Thank you for that. All right. What's up, guys? I am excited that it is again Wednesday night, my favorite night of the week, right behind Sunday night, whenever we have fam nights like the Sunday. So we are in week three of this series we are calling Youth Prayer Movement. If you've been here all three weeks, you kind of know what we're talking about. If you have not been here, this is your first week, maybe you skipped a week, that's all right. I'll give you a quick recap. First week, we talked about how prayer moves God. Whenever we pray, God reacts. God answers. God does things whenever we pray. And God, he wants us to pray for a revival. And so whenever we pray for him to move, God can and he will move. Last week, we said that prayer, it gives us the Holy Spirit. And whenever we get the Holy Spirit, we get power and we get boldness to be able to ask friends to come to church, to tell people about Jesus. This week, we are saying that prayer is persistent. Prayer must be persistent. Whenever we think about praying, we think many things, right? Like whenever I first started coming to church and first gave my life to God, like prayer, it seemed really intimidating. Sometimes prayer, it can seem, um, it seems hard. Like we have to have all the right words to say. We have to have a bunch of fancy words. Sometimes we think that praying has to be super long, and we, we think that Praying is going to be boring. Why don't we pray? We think that it's just going to be boring and we're not going to get anything out of it. 
And so those were the thoughts that were coming into my mind whenever I first came to church and my youth pastor was telling me that we need to pray more. Like it just seems like something that's, like I'd rather be doing other things. Like whenever you're praying, like you want to just kind of fall asleep. You kind of want to think about other things. You're praying, but your mind's going off in other places. And so the disciples that Jesus had, he had 12 of them, they were following Jesus around, and he says, hey, Jesus, we see that you are praying, and we see the things that you are doing. Like you pray to God all the time, and then we see you do all these miraculous things. So Jesus, how about you teach us how to pray? And so Jesus actually teaches his disciples how to pray, and then that is recorded in the Bible. And so this is Jesus telling us how we are supposed to pray. So here it is, Luke chapter 11. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, and don't let us yield to temptation, period. That is what Jesus says. That is how we are supposed to pray. He gives us that formula, and it's, that, that doesn't mean that those are the only words we ever say. Like, you have to say those words back to back, and that's the only time you can pray. This is just a, um, an outline of how to pray. Whenever you pray, you address God. You say, Father, because God, he loves you so much, and God is our Father, and it's intimate. It's not a, um, a relationship between, like, a student and a principal. It's a relationship between a son and a father. And so if you look at God as if he is a father figure, then you know that he loves you. You know that he has the best in store for you. And he says, may your name be kept holy. At the same time that we're thinking of God as Father, at the same time we're thinking of God as somebody who is intimate, we have to also remember that God is holy. And we should not take that lightly. It says, may your kingdom come soon. That is us praying for the peace that we so desperately need in this world because that peace will come whenever Jesus' kingdom comes on earth. So we're praying, God, come back soon. God, let your kingdom be on earth as it is in heaven. This is give us each day the food that we need. This is praying, just God, give us what we need. This is the part where we just ask, God, this is what I need, and I need you to move in my life. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those sin against us. And then don't let us yield to temptation. Don't let us fall trapped to the temptation around us. And then Jesus, he goes on to talk about how else we should pray. He says, this is how you should pray. And then he gives us a story of what prayer should look like. So I got a little video. If you've been on Instagram, you've probably seen it already. Turn it up a little bit. Cody. Cody! Dude! Cody! Cody! Dude, I know you're in there. Go away! Bro! Cody! Go! Cody! Cody! What? How are you doing today? So that's just a silly little video. And by the way, that's just how church works. Like whenever we're not at church, that's what happens. You just get shot randomly with a Nerf gun. It's not fun at all. Um, 
But, so, that is all to point back to the fact that prayer is persistent. Can you guys turn the lights back on? There we go. Now you can see me. All right. Prayer is persistent. And if you don't believe me, here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 5, um, or Luke chapter 11, verse 5. It says, this is right after he says how to pray. And then it says, Jesus, sorry, I lost my place in my notes. Then Jesus, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. First of all, why do you need three loaves of bread at midnight? Like, wait until the morning, dude. Like, what are you going, what do you, why do you need three loaves of bread at midnight? Anyways, he says, you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. So that's the reason why he needs three loaves of bread at midnight. And suppose he calls you out from the bedroom. Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives Everyone who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Persistency is key. Whenever we are praying to God, we have to be persistent. Because if you want God to move, you have to keep asking God that you want him to move. If you want to be free from whatever sin, whatever addiction that you have in your life, you have to keep asking God to give you that freedom, to give you that, that freedom that you so desperately need. If you want to see a revival happen in your city, if you want to see a revival happen in your school, you have to keep on praying and asking God to move me and my youth pastor, whenever we prayed for a revival to happen at Glimpo High School, it took over a year before we saw any results of that praying. You have to keep praying. And now persistence, that is not being impatient. Like whenever I was knocking on Cody's door, like maybe that was a little bit of being impatient. But persistence, that is not impatience. It's not whining until you get something to eat or until you get whatever you want. That is not persistence. Instead, persistence is an active patience. It means you're patient, but you're doing something active because of that. It doesn't mean that we beg God to answer our prayers. Being persistent in praying, asking for the same thing over and over again, that's not begging God out of desperation. Instead, whenever we are being persistent in our prayers, it is placing our faith in him. It is saying that, God, we believe and we trust that you can do what I'm asking you to do. It's like that story that Jesus just told us. If the friend didn't believe that he would give him what he wanted, he probably would have never came, or he probably would have stopped knocking, or he probably would have left after the first no. But he knew that the friend in the house would end up giving him what he needed. So whenever we are praying and we're being persistent and we're going to God over and over again, it's not because we're begging him. It's because we know that he has what we need. It's because we know that he is in control. And being persistent in prayer, it is giving God our faith and our trust because we believe that he can and he will move in the way that we are asking him to move. Persistence shows that we believe God is in control. So if you have not received what you've asked for, if you have not received what you prayed for, Jesus tells us that you have to keep on asking. 
Jesus says you have to keep on seeking, and you have to keep on knocking, and that's not because God wants to keep you waiting. It's because God wants nothing more than for you to seek after him. God wants nothing more than your heart. He has everything in control. He has everything that you could ever want and everything you could ever need, and he wants to give that to us, but more than he wants to give us what we want, he wants us to want him. Does that make sense? God wants us to seek after him with everything we have. And so that's why we have to be persistent in our prayers because we know that God has what we need. God wants to answer those prayers. So the Israelites, 3,000 years ago, there's a nation called the Israelites. These were God's chosen people. God chose this nation to be his chosen people. And so much like today, the Israelites, they were going through tough times. They have just, they had a nation to themselves. They had a whole nation. God given them this land. This was their promised land. And they had a capital city of Jerusalem. And they were going through a very hard time because they had just been conquered and destroyed by a foreign power, by a foreign government. The city and the place of worship, the city of Jerusalem, it had just been destroyed and burned to the ground. They had no place to call home, and they had no place to go to. They had no place to worship God. And then they were captives in foreign land. The nation that came, the nation of Babylon came and took them from their homes, and they were slaves and they were prisoners in a different country. All hope was lost. Right now, we feel like we have all of our hope lost. We feel like we have nothing under our control. But the Israelites, they were literally hopeless. They had no place to worship God. They had no place to go. They had no place to listen. And they were even wondering if God would listen to them anymore. They thought that God had left them. They thought that God didn't care about them anymore. Because the city that they worshipped in, that was God's holy city. That was the only place that they felt like they could go and they could get alone with God. They could have that one-on-one. They could worship him. They could sacrifice to him. And whenever that was gone, whenever they were leaving, they felt God had left them. They felt alone, and they felt terrified because of that. Because all throughout their history, ever since Israel became a nation, God had been with them. God was there to forgive them, to fight their battles. And now, they had just been defeated, and they felt like God had left them. And today, it seems like all hope is lost. The world is literally on fire. Protests and riots are all over the news, and the pandemic is still going on, and people all around us, they are turning from God, and they are turning to other things for hope. And maybe some of you in here are like the Israelites. Maybe you feel upset. Maybe you feel hopeless. Maybe you feel like God has left you. Maybe you feel like God has, is not with you and not on your side anymore. And maybe you feel hopeless. And maybe you feel like Because God is not with you, that if you try to pray to him, if you tried to be persistent in your prayers, you feel like God would not listen to you. You feel like if you prayed, that your prayers would just bounce off the ceiling because God doesn't want anything to do with you anymore. Or maybe this is your first time ever coming to church. Maybe the first time ever thinking about God in a real way. And you think because of that, if you tried to pray, that God, he would not want to listen to you. He would not want to answer your prayers. He would not want anything to do with you. The Israelites, they felt the same way. They felt like if they tried to seek after God, that God would not want to listen to them. Listen to what God says to the Israelites in Jeremiah 29. 
Jeremiah 29, verse 10 through 14, says, This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. 70 years. That is a long time. That is longer than most people at that time would be alive. 70 years. And let me tell you, today, we still have a long road in front of us. If we think, if I told you that things were going to be easier and things were going to be more peaceful in the future, I think I would be lying. I don't know if I could tell you that things will get easier with a straight face. I think if we read the Bible with any kind of honesty, if we read what things are going to come, I think things are only going to get a little bit worse. I don't think there's going to be that peace that we are so desperately longing for until Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom here on earth. And that is the prayer that Jesus told us to pray. He says, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Because if we keep praying that, there won't be that peace that we are longing for until Jesus' throne is on the heaven. Things are only going to get worse. So we think if things are going to get better, it's going to be a long time before that happens. And so the, the, the Israelites, they were in Babylon for 70 years. Not only were they captives in a foreign land, they, God told them how long they were going to be there. And that was longer than most of them were going to be alive. They were going to have children in that land. And they were going to have to be slaves. And they were going to have to be prisoners in that land. God says, you will be in Babylon for 70 years, but there's always a but. But then God promises he says, but then I will come and I will do for you all the good things I have promised. And I will bring you home again. God says, I will bring you home again. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. Things are only going to get worse. Things are bad now. But I will come again and I will bring you home again. And then Jesus, God says in 29.11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes, and I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. The worship team will go ahead and come back up. Let me tell you, God has not forgotten you. If you are in this place, if you are sitting in this God knew you were going to be in here. And I promise you, God has not forgotten you. You think you can kind of just slip in. You think you can kind of sit wherever you want and, and that no one will notice and that God will not even notice you in here. God has not forgotten us. It seems like things are bad right now. Maybe it doesn't, but maybe it does to some of you. It seems like things are bad outside right now. But let me tell you, God has not forgotten us. And if things don't get better, if things don't get better next week, next month, next year, I promise you, God has not forgotten us. God says he has good plans for you. He has good plans that he promised for us. God says he has a future and a hope. Let me tell you, one quote I heard is that if you don't have hope, then you don't have anything. God says, I have a future for you and a hope. If things don't get better, then listen to the promise I have for you. And that promise is that there will be a future and a hope. God has not forgotten us. 
God has good plans for us. God has a future and hope. And God says he wants to listen to you. He says, in those days, whenever you feel like all hope is lost, in those days, whenever you feel the most forgotten, in those days, whenever you feel the most alone, you feel the most abandoned by God, you feel the most abandoned by the world, God says, if you pray to me, I will listen. God is up there. You feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, but God says, no, I will listen to you. When you pray, I will listen. And he says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, that means with everything in your heart, you're not withholding anything. You're not saying, God, I'm just going to come to church and I'm going to pray right before I go to bed. I'm going to pray at the altar. I don't. No, God says, if you seek me with your whole heart, if you seek me with everything that you have, then I will be found by you. If you're looking for that hope, if you're looking for that future, if you're looking for that life, you cannot find it anywhere else besides God. And God says you can have that if you look for me wholeheartedly. He says you will be found, or I will be found by you. And then God, he promises the Israelites, he says I will end your captivity. I will bring your home. And right now it seems like we are in captivity, whether it's by sin, whether it's by temptation, addiction, whatever it is. God says I will bring you out of that. I will bring you home to the home that you so desperately long for. God wants to be found by you and God will deliver us. So tonight, this is how we're going to end. If you want that life that God has for you, doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not, doesn't matter if you said the prayer or not, if you want to be found, if you want God to be found by you, if you want to seek after God, if you want to find that life, that hope, that joy, that peace that God is so desperately wanting to give us, if you're saying, I will seek after God, I will give him my whole heart, I will be persistent in my prayers, and I want to find God. Things are looking bad outside right now, but I want to find God because in God there's a future and there's a hope where I'm going to have everyone stand right up here in the front. So three, two, one. If that's you, I want you to go ahead and stand up. I want everyone to stand up. But if that's you, I want you to come up here to the front. I want you to stand up here.